Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Policy Matters Newsletter podcast series. This is Scott Mallory, counsel in Sacramento in our Labor and Employment Department and a member of our Government Relations Department and Practice Group. I'm here with my wonderful colleague, Scott Hecker. Uh, Scott, would you like to introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Thanks, Scott. I'm Scott Hecker uh, in our D.C. office, also in labor and employment, uh, generally focusing on workplace safety, uh, wage and hour, and government relations and policy issues, um, and uh, senior counsel here in D.C., and glad to be with you today. Thank you, Scott. Uh, so, you know, we decided to do this podcast sort of on an emergency basis after the events of yesterday because we woke up to, you know, some historic news of you know, the Raphael Warnock had won in Georgia, and then the news that John Ossoff also won in Georgia, which was which was exciting given that John Ossoff was the former intern of the late great Congressman John Lewis, and Raphael Warnock was actually John Lewis's pastor for a time. So that's cosmic in itself, but it's interesting that that was juxtaposed by, you know, the siege, I will call it, that was happening up north in our in our capital. Uh, the, at the end of the day, you know, Biden's still going to have his mandate with those two victories in Georgia. But I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention what happened at the Capitol yesterday, Scott. Yeah, I mean, God, it almost feels like the, the 13th month of 2020 uh, where we're, <laughs> we're dealing with, with something else sort of unprecedented. As you said, I mean, the the results in Georgia were, were kind of one end of the Democratic spectrum, and then we we saw a literal siege. Uh, and I'm I'm in D.C. I live in D.C. Um, you know, it, it, it was there was a literal siege on the Capitol. Um, people people breached the Capitol, and the, the uh, you know Congress was evacuated during objections to Arizona's electoral vote. Uh, you know, the certification process was was going as it's designated to do, designed to do. Uh, and, and, you know, Congress came back uh, once the Capitol was secured. They came back at around 4 a.m. today, January 7th. You know, they certified the election results, and uh, we heard President Trump or, or President Trump issued a statement, I should say, uh, that read, you know, while he still disagrees with the, the results and he thinks the facts support his position, he, he committed to an orderly transition on January 20th. So that's kind of the first we've seen anything approaching concession, uh, but with the, with the confirmation, the certification of the results and, and that statement from, from current President Trump, you know, I think we're, we're going to see President-elect Biden take the oath on, on the 20th, and, and, you know, that'll, that'll change a lot of things in, in policy, and as we know, policy matters, so that's what we're going <laughs> to talk about. Indeed, and now that we have a little bit more certainty, right, that we have we have we can be a little bit more clear that President Biden and Kamala Harris are going to be sworn in on the 20th. We are going to have at least a 50-50 split in the Senate with Kamala Harris as the sort of historic female vice president tie-breaking vote. Uh, we're going to have a Democratic House. So I think that, you know, in the first episode, Leon Rodriguez and I discussed the velocity of change, and I noted how, no, I think it's going to be slow I still think it's going to be slow, but this is going to make it much, much quicker. Uh, for example, uh, just yesterday, the, the Federal Register announced that it's going to be publishing a final rule on independent contractors. Now that we're sure that the Democrats have controlled the Senate with a tie-breaking vote, 
under the Congressional Review Act, they're gonna have a much easier time sort of halting that rule. You know, so that's sort of an example of how the velocity of change will be much quicker. I also think another example is gonna be through the budget reconciliation process where they're only gonna need that 51 votes, right? Otherwise, they're gonna to have to get rid of the filibuster to pass really bold progressive agendas like you and I discussed the PRO Act. I brought the PRO Act up in the first episode too because I'm crazy about the PRO Act apparently, but what do you think about the velocity of change, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked a lot uh, when, when there was less certainty about how things could change on the executive action front, you know, walking back mm -hmm. some of Trump's EOs, uh, like the one prohibiting divisive training, uh, revisiting that independent contractor regulation, the joint employment interpretations. Um, but a lot of that stuff, as you said, could be revisited more quickly and, and differently now that there is this kind of split uh, in the Senate. Um, you know, one other, you, you noted sort of the, the 51 uh, the 51-50, I guess, split on, on sort of the budget reconciliation. So I think maybe the stimulus, uh, we'll see that go through that process. But other possibilities like a federal minimum wage or the PRO Act, uh, labor reform, maybe some sort of compromise, um, tax, rolling back 2017 tax cuts, immigration legislation, and, and even climate legislation, they still have hurdles to clear. I mean, you you have uh, another concept I think you and Leon introduced in the first episode was, was Democrats in name only, and I like to call that the mansion principle. Um, there's sure. still going to be challenges to getting all of the Democrats, and really there are two independents here too. You got, I think it's Angus King in Maine and, and Bernie Sanders in Vermont. Yep. Um, they caucus with the Democrats, and they're likely to vote with the Democrats, not the Republicans, of course, but you do have to move everybody you know, in one direction. And I think they're, you know, the, as we, everybody says, the Democratic tent is big, right? So to, to really push through, quickly push through uh, a change, a, a drastic change in, in legislative policy, uh, you know, 50-50, 51-50 may not do it. What it could help, though, I think, and, and you may talk a little bit more about personnel as policy in a minute, but I'd just like to talk, just allude to, the um, nomination of Merrick Garland as yeah. Attorney General. Um, you know, we saw that come pretty quickly, I think, even while the Ossoff race remained um, uncalled. But, you know, he, I think that, that confirmation, that likely confirmation and other likely confirmations of the folks that Biden has put out to fill out his cabinet, uh, those could be much quicker uh, than, than we would have seen with Mitch McConnell controlling the schedule. And, you know, I, I think some progressives may not be happy with the Garland pick, but I think the, the main goal was probably to restore this sort of apolitical, trustworthy, above the fray, symbolic nature to, to DOJ. I know some folks question his civil rights decisions, his record in that area, but, you know, Vanita Gupta has been named as, uh, as associate AG, and she was the former head of DOJ's civil rights division. Kristen Clark has been identified to lead the civil rights division, and she is, you know, heading or headed the uh, Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. So I think despite that centrist label, we're going to see civil rights at DOJ and civil rights generally be a, a priority in the Biden-Harris administration. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and, and I think it's interesting that, you know, you brought up those uh, sort of, uh, you know, no, I don't want to call them underlings, but, you know, sort of, you know, 
people that are under Merrick Garland and sort of the civil rights division and things like that, Leon and I actually discussed that a little bit in the first episode when we were talking about the velocity of change. And Leon talked to some folks and, and those sort of undersecretary levels as it goes lower into the, into the agencies, those are being filled and those are being filled quickly, right? So I think that will also help with the velocity of change. I think another issue about the velocity of change is motivation, right? And I think, unfortunately, what happened yesterday combined with the victories in Georgia combined with the last four years is going to provide a lot of motivation to some of these progressive lawmakers to really push some of this legislation, especially in the labor and employment area. I mean, I was watching, of course, I was up late last night, really late last night, because I, I'm addicted to this stuff to some degree. But Cory Booker was doing an interview on the national news, and he was like, we're going to bring a minimum wage. We're going to bring a family leave. We're going to bring up independent contractors. So all this stuff that affects LME, there is going to be on their agenda. But like you said, Scott, they're going to run into some process issues that, that I don't think they're they're necessarily think it's, they're necessarily ready to attack. Um, I, I think another thing that is getting lost in all this is that we're going to have COVID relief much easier, much quicker, much faster. It's going to come under budget reconciliation. It's going to come with only those 51 votes. They're going to make it big. They're going to make it powerful. And, you know, the thing about the, the COVID relief is it's going to be a gigantic bill. And I think they're going to be able to wrap in some of the other areas that we've talked about, maybe health care, maybe labor issues. What do you think, Scott? I mean, I think you and I might disagree on sort of the legislative packages that might come out of it, but I'm interested to hear your take. Yeah, I mean, Senator Schumer has said this is going to be, you know, the $2,000 stimulus check is going to be one of the first things they vote on, right? And, and those kinds of economic efforts are, are going to be big. Direct aid to states, uh, you know, is another thing that the Democrats fought for. Um, you know, whether there's going to be any sort of compromise on a liability shield uh, for, yeah. for employers there as part of that kind of thing. Um, I, I think. Well, let's stop you know, right there, could, Scott, real quick. Do you, what yeah. do you think? I you know a lot of, a lot of businesses are really, really concerned about a liability shield. What do you, do you think there's any possibility of even maybe liability shield light? I, I mean, I think, you know, President-elect Biden has pledged to, to work across the aisle, right? Um, yeah. And I think, you know, he's going to have to consider the option. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I think you could see it. I mean, I, I get it. There's a lot of chaos. I think what really our, our clients and employers are looking for generally is, is clarity and uniformity um, and, and some protection, some economic protection, because this is, I mean, it's a disaster, right? It's this, this recession is, it, we're in a global pandemic. People can't work. You know, yeah. you're working from remotely. We're we're talking on video as we always do these days. Um, so, uh, you know, there may be uh, some consideration of that. It, it really depends how much people decide to dig in their heels. Um, but I do think you'll see the state aid, direct state aid, yeah. given the the split. Um, and you know, I still think, as you mentioned, uh, you know, filling the sort of down ballot uh, positions. There was no OSHA yeah. assistant secretary during during Trump's entire administration, they will move to fill that, I think, pretty quickly because the COVID yeah. emergency temporary standard is, is a priority. It's been mentioned as a priority. And I think we'll, we'll see something like that move forward quickly. Yeah. And a number of states have already passed ETSs. I know California has. Mm -hmm. It's being challenged by the National Retail Federation right now. So we're running short yeah. on time, Scott, but I did want to get to committee chairs and personnel as policy since the Senate have won 
in Georgia, they're going to be able to push through much more progressive cabinet chairs now. Thinking about the Secretary of Labor, I mean, we could even see a Bernie Sanders. Not that that's going to happen, everyone, but, you know, that's the kind of thing that could happen with that victory in Georgia, and that is huge. That can really increase the velocity of, of change here. Yeah, I mean, you can't pull, pull Bernie Sanders because then you lose your majority, right? Because yeah, I, mean, I, I think there's a Republican governor in Vermont, actually. Um, but, yeah, I mean, someone right. of that ilk, maybe maybe you can turn more progressive. We've seen, you know, Julie Sue and Marty Walsh as kind yep. of the primary names out there. Um, you know, Marty Walsh, Boston mayor, a lot of labor connection. Julie Sue obviously running the, you know, the the oh, labor right. department for the fifth largest economy in the world. So, yeah, both I know very her well. And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Both very experienced and interesting, and, and I'm sure we'll cover that when, when that nomination comes down the pipe. Indeed. I just, all right, well, I just want to say thank you to you, Scott. We're, we're a little over time, I believe. Um, and I just one more note before we leave. I think it's really important, you know, that it's in historic that Kamala Harris is going to be the deciding vote here. And um, it, it, it shouldn't be overlooked that the way that she deals with these labor and employment issues might be how that party is going to be dealing with those going forward. On that note, uh, we look forward to you guys listening again for episode four. I know that as soon as that labor secretary uh, nomination drops, we're going to be back here recording. So, Scott, thanks so much for joining me today, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the Cypherth Policy Matters podcast. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit Cypherth.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or SoundCloud. While you're at it, we'd appreciate you sharing us with your colleagues on LinkedIn or your preferred social media.